0: Hello and welcome to the podcast number two from SFS, Smoke and Fire Safety. Here is Marco and I'm the Product and Marketing Manager. SFS is part of XI Hagris, and we are here to offer our expertise from design to commissioning of smoke control systems. We are interested in supporting the industry and through the experts we work with and we talk to every day We want to get and share different perspectives, uh, insights, and provide an understanding of what is happening on our fast-paced changing industry. We will be today focused on listening uh, to the experts' uh, opinion, and uh, we will be absolutely impartial. We would like to be your focal point of knowledge, so if you have any questions uh, with regards to fire and smoke safety, please uh, get in touch, we're here to help you and uh, support you with your questions and projects. Today here with us we have uh, Paul McSoli and uh, can I ask you, Paul, to introduce uh, yourself?
1: Hi, yes, I'm Paul McSoley. I work in construction. I've been in it for over 25 years. Um, I've had various roles, Marco, from being an apprentice originally right up to leading design on big major projects some MEP and all, all various subjects. I'm heavily involved in testing of products at the moment and getting things installed and procured correctly on... Various different parts of the business that I work for, and um, yeah, but it's pretty much sums it up for me. It's all about getting this this difficult subject of fire compliance into an order and how procurement affects it.
0: Yeah, I think uh, today's uh, topic will be quite interesting. So we we would like to discuss about uh, construction procurement and uh, behaviour. So it sounds uh, it sounds quite huge, uh, as <laughs> a.
1: <laughs> it's an interesting one. I think it's um making sure that in the future we we don't carry on as we have done in the past really so
0: I guess if you come up with uh, such a big topic uh, something for sure down the line uh, has happened Uh, so you spent uh, quite a number of years in the industry if we are let's say to start with the initial problems you had maybe beginning your career 15 20 25 years ago what do you think uh, the behavior was and how was the industry on those on those days
1: I think if I cast my mind back when I was working in early days over near the Wolf and places like that, I think that the big difference was there was a there was a bit there's a bit more of an influence from building control at the time because I had a bit more I suppose a bit more responsibility in in ensuring that things were you know you know I say the word compliant but were reasonably safe and things were things were put together appropriately. But you also got to remember that standards back then were not as I suppose, rigorous with direct fields and extended fields of application like they are now. So it was a slightly different world. And I think when you look, as I've gone through my career and you've seen regulatory reform coming where, you know, building control stopped issuing fire certificates, it became a lot more self-certified. There was a step change that was, you know, kind of required on how we procure and how we put things together, but I'm not too sure. It, it's kind of it step changed the way it could have done, and it's through. I don't think it's anyone's fault. I think it's the industry's become a lot more complicated than it was in my earlier career. It's a lot more. It's a lot more technical. Is probably the word I'm looking for.
0: It's quite interesting because you did say uh, self self uh, certified, uh, and a uh, self certification then led to a more complex uh, industry. Can you explain these a little bit in detail?
1: Yeah, I think the, the big thing is that though we've always had a responsibility to make sure that we, we, you know, we get the right products appropriate for the application for where where you could say their intended purpose is appropriate for it. Um, the, the application now of doing it, if you take the various subjects, which you could say, you know, you know, you know know smoke control ducts and dampers or, or fire dampers, pipework seals, you could even talk talking about fire curtains, you even talking about, you know, chimneys, flues, you know, um, there's fields of how you apply those now to install them. So we have to just make sure that what we're buying is appropriate for the, you know, the circumstances for where they're installed. So I think the behavior, you know, kind of used to be, you know, and it is all about behaviors that you'd have one of these um, fire stopping companies and there's some good companies out there that do do this subject and come in and install all of this stuff. But it's kind of a bit more hamstrung now because, when you look at pipework, which is it's got its own standard for how you do penetration seals, how you, you um, procure that is not the same as how you procure dampers or duct or flues because they've got their own penetration seal which has got a different set of rules. So it's become a lot more more tricky in how you procure stuff. To, and, and not forgetting the walls here, Marco as well. It's all about the standard supporting construction that's used, whether it's a partition or a rigid wall all these things affect, you know, your solution, you know, solution's is probably the right word, but you know, the final outcome of how you want to get this thing, you know, be and installed at what time you do it. So you can't really just rely on a fire stopping company at the end, you know, a mastic gun and a, I suppose a bread knife and, you know, the, a bit of bat to come and fix everything because some of these solutions don't involve those products. It's, it's a different slightly different world to what it was when I started my career.
0: I remember um, the beginning of my career in fire uh, around about uh, 14 years ago. And I do remember, but still they are in the marketplace, uh, these big cans of uh, PU foam uh, claiming their 3, 4, 6, uh, 12 hours fire rate. But are people sure they're buying the right, the right product for the right application? And have people been trained uh, uh, on using and selecting the right products uh, for the right applications, do you think, over the last 10 to 12 oh. years?
1: I think what it is, Marco, is that we've got, you know, construction product regulations here as well, and a more rigorous testing regime. So I think that the hard bit with, with the, I suppose, the behaviour of this is that if you're going to buy, you say, I'd use a fire damper as an example, you're going to put it in a building. And I'm going to use a, a, a very, a very um, important word that I was taught recently, the ontology of where you put it, the risk category of the space and the risk category of the building affects the classification of the product that you're buying. So if you're buying a fire damper and you're you're procuring it at the end because maybe you think you're getting best value by waiting for a you know a a, a tier one or a tier two set of um, contractors to to procure it, if it's not coordinated with the wall types that you have for the risk class at the start, there's a good chance the two aren't going to be compatible because the damper, the wall, you know, with a door in it as well, where we've got a flue in it, is is a system approach. It's not just about buying individual silo you know components later on to get the best value in procurement. The, the trick is to get all of this stuff procured at the start or understand the applicability of it to the wall system or the floor system or the type of building you have so you can get the right products for the right, you know, fire case example at the start of the job, not leaving it to the end.
0: And do you think there are grey areas where uh, still, despite having people trained to do their jobs, despite having people aware and knowing uh, everything about the CPR, do you still think there are certain areas uh, where there is this lack of knowledge and lack of coordination where we can, you know, try to influence, create some background uh, knowledge and make sure people then are doing uh, their own thing uh, in a compliant way?
1: Yeah, I think there is, Mark. I think that the big thing here is we we need to help everyone with this subject because it's so vast. We need to help clients. We need to help consultants, whether it's an architect or an MEP consultant. We also need to help the fire engineering community as well, because this is all about products, and these products are very complicated. How they're tested and the seals that go with them. You know, you could call them passive fire seals rather than say use the word fire stopping, because it's quite you know it's a little bit generic when it's used. Um, so they've all got different roles, all you've all got different applications for these products, and it all depends on the risk category of the building, the risk category of the space. And there's not one, you know, person, whether it's an architect or a you know, a fire engineer or an EP consultant, that's expert in any of these one subjects generally. So you have to help them bring it all together. So even the manufacturers to, to, to get something specified, especially in the smoke control world, you need to go to a, a smoke control damper company or ductwork company and tell them very prescriptively. What you need, so you need to know the description of it in the first place. You know whether your whether your system's got a thousand pascals of pressure. And I know that the last podcast some of this was covered in in you know obviously excellent detail because of the um, author of that podcast. But you need to go go to these 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 manufacturers with this information because otherwise you've not checked the risk categories of your space. You know, and they just in fairness they're just giving you a product. So you know there's a bit more. Um, Know, help, we all need to do to get together to get this right. You can't just, um, I suppose, push this risk down the line to a, a manufacturer or contractor. You've still got to do the early bit about, as I say, the ontology of what you're looking at. So you've got to understand the risk category of the space, the risk category of the building, the system approach of it, how it all works together, how the walls fit in, how the floor slabs fit in. You know, even down to what your compartmentation strategies and if you get that wrong, it can cause you a big issue, you know. This is all about classification of products. E over ES for dampers. ES is where you have a low leakage, you know, a smoke risk in a building, and E can just be a, a very simple compartment where you have no low leakage risk for smoke. If you don't get that right at the start and tell a manufacturer what you want, you will get the wrong product, not appropriate for the circumstances where you're installing it. So with the procurement problem that you know the kind of exists, it's getting this stuff earlier on described in such a way that everyone understands what it is that you need and you probably could say if you do this the right way you're actually just fulfilling the golden thread for each individual subject within the building whether it's a smoke control system a fire damper or a fire rated duct or even for a flu you have got to look at that procurement question earlier on how we can um do i suppose you could call it modern methods of procurement rather than procuring as we have done in the past
0: and i think you touched a very valid point so me- methods of procurement uh, procurement at the end of the day is always team to people and behind specifications uh, we have people uh, again I think specifiers are very very prepared they know what they're writing uh, and they are very very clear but down, down the line down the chain uh, there will always be that procurement manager or that QS that will challenge the initial specification and probably could have a little bit of uh, costs and uh, probably reduce the building performance uh, so how can we influence these purchasing departments and these uh, maybe not so technical people in order for them to be aware that certain things uh, cannot be cannot be touched
1: you know it's um it's it's a great one this is um if you're if you're trying to cut the fat off for of something it only it was in the first place what you actually cutting the fat off of so think of it probably this way is that if you're going to select as sort of indicated earlier a smoke control system and you want to you know engineer it to a cheaper specification the specifications a bit of a I suppose a bit of a, a funny word really you know because if you're going to specify something like a smoke control system you've got to specify the classification of all the components you within it you know and I think you know there is standards for how you you know procure a design and install these systems from cradle to grave that I don't think get used very well, but they're very good standards you can put together. So if you're going to do that even for fire dampers or a door, someone's got to have described what it was originally. You know, so is it a, a C10000 C mod smoke control system? Is it multi? Is it AA? Is it MA? You've got to describe all of this stuff. So if you actually think of it in in this order. If you get to the point where it's described to the point where it meets the risk or the safety case of the building and everyone's bought into that, then it's about a product to meet it. and you can swap between products to meet that descriptive. But the minute that product that you prescriptively want to purchase changes that descriptive, you've got to go revisit your safety case for the building. So that's the problem is that we're actually engineering down from something or cutting the fat off, you could say you know, down, but you don't actually know what it was intended to be in the first place. That's kind of the issue. That's a bit we've got to kind of correct. So you know, better procurement will come from, you know, better descriptive in specifications and more support, you know, with design teams to get it right. But you know, you, you can't, you know you know, you can't have procurement that works better if you have a situation where a whole design team is in, in the boat where they've been asked to not specify stuff because a contractor's gonna do it later on for best value. You know. I suppose you could probably say if you don't look at this stuff early on when you're setting the shape and form of a building don't be surprised that when you do select the kit later on where it could be months or years later that the shape and form of your building doesn't work to house that kit because you've got to describe it first And if you describe it you can prescribe it and then you can verify the space within the building and you don't necessarily need to always have specialists on board, but you you know, some of this you may need to if it's outside the, the you know the relative competence of everyone that's looking at it from a design team but it's about having the support in there so you can actually describe the systems properly. So you can describe a wall, describe a door, describe a damper, describe a duct. And if you can describe it properly with its various classifications and thicknesses and densities of wall you can actually get to the point where you can procure it later wrong but in the knowledge that actually the shape and form works you know because it's even down to installation and access for some of this kit we don't it's not being allowed for because we don't see this until the procurement comes on months after the you know the frame could be going up
0: so i think in in here what is key is to have a proper specification clause uh, described by the manufacturer and that should be available to specifiers to procurement manager, that should be available to everybody, I think despite the platform maybe where these specification clauses are loaded, this should be public knowledge
1: well, I think it's the behavioral thing, isn't it? you know you know we have to get to a point where if a consultant's going to specify a smoke control system yeah. you know because that's part of your your eyes field or even a damper. You've got to have a list of all the classifications that are important, and that doesn't just include the the 120 minutes, the E, the S, the C 10,000 or C mod. It also includes the opposed blade, the single blades, whatever you're doing, because that affects authority of air, you know, air balancing in systems. You've got to be able to commission it. In order to commission it, you've got to know how it operates. That's all part of that descriptive. Have you got you know, six fire zones and a smoke zone, because if you have, there might be a, there's definitely going to be a charge. you're going to need an MA system where the fan can shut the zones down if there's a problem, because compartmentation beats the smoke zones. You know, you have to look at all of these things. But the behaviour is, if we don't engage, you know, some specialists or manufacturers and actually look at what the descriptive is properly in the first place, then you can't really look at the whole, you know, the fit of the building until it's too late. So if you're late, you're going to get that issue where, you know, that procurement process drives drives your own issue with spatial fit in a building is probably one example. But also it's about the interfaces of it, the walls, the follow on, you know, the, the interface of various things, the walls, walls being the biggest one. It's what walls are so important, making sure you've got the right type of support and construction. So that's the, that's the behavioural thing, is that if we're going to carry on procuring stuff very, very late, then you're not gonna see some of the problems till it comes forward. And actually probably the better value in it is actually getting these products known early on, checking your spatial fit, making sure you describe the system. Then you can look at, you know, variances in different manufacturers, but around a actually set of information that actually is, you know, I suppose you could say descriptively correct for the risk category of the building. So you know you're not affecting how you've done your safety case from cradle to grave. So
0: and when it comes to description, do you think that BIM uh, is playing a key role and a key part uh, now uh, with procurement and with the industry?
1: I think BIM is probably going to be the biggest thing with this, Marco, because I think that if you look at where we sit at the moment, and I, you know, to put it into the right context, is that if you look at classification of a, a smoke control damper, and you look at classification of a fire damper, they're different. And when you look at what you put in a, in a BIM model, and you sit there and you go, certain things affect the asset, certain things affect the geometry, certain things can be PDF held. Now, if you look at the asset information that's required, you need to record what the rating was, what the pressure was, the type of blade. You need to record all of this stuff because if someone's going to change it later on, you look at this this from the whole Golden Thread point of view, you need to know what you changed it from to and actually are you affecting that original risk class of the building. It's so that, important because, you know, you will, people will get caught out with this if they're not careful.
0: And that's a key point. I'm also thinking about a recent event uh, we've been to. It was a young engineering uh, uh, networking event and we had the chance to meet with these uh, young graduates of people still at university uh, doing their own trainings. So. If you could give an advice to a young engineer um, approaching the industry or maybe getting into the industry over the next uh, 12 to 36 uh, months, what would be your biggest um, statement or recommendation or what would you say to these young people approaching uh, our world?
1: I would say that construction is probably the most rewarding career you will ever do. And you can be in so many different parts of it, Marco, and it's rewarding. You can be in procurement, you can be in commercial, you can be in delivery, you can be in design, you can be in any part of it you want to be in. The biggest advice is that it doesn't work in silos. It's all about a system approach. So understanding, you know, in the famous words of someone else recently, that it's not just, say, all m it's building services. It's the fact that an air system works on the integrity, of the walls and the structure of the building being complete. If that isn't there, you can't test the smoke control system anyway, because the air is going to leak everywhere. So you have to look at it from a system approach. But it's not just about the engineering of, you know, the systems. Well. it's about the products. It's about understand the products that you're buying. You know, for me, in in when it's, it's this has served me well most of my career is that regulation is about reasonable levels of safety, and health, from people and buildings are affected by and reg- regulation seven to me was always about appropriate for the circumstances for which you're installing it, installed in a workmanlike manner. Make sure you understand what that is, all the stuff that you're actually buying, how you're putting it together. Does it Does it work for the function it's designed to do? Is it reasonably safe? You know, is, is it is it going to cause safety for everyone that's in the building? Is it going to cause no one harm? Try and keep your integrity and keep things you know as best as you can in your career always continue to learn as well it's, it's a brilliant place construction
0: that's great and i think i have my last question now unless you have something else uh, you want to add generically but for me what would be your advice uh, not just to young people but just in general for our industry for the future uh and for the years to come
1: oh that's a that's a very big question I, know. I think you know. I think look, one of the biggest things is, is that as an industry, um, we just got to make sure that we all go the same direction, because I think construction is going to get a lot more technical over the next few years, especially with you know the new regulator kicking in, and you know you could say really we've got to we've got to start doing things really really well. I'll be a lot more probably thorough in how we, not just be peculiar, but how we install and make sure everyone's kind of, I suppose the words educated and what some of the language is because, you know, I'm not knocking it, Marco. It is very, very difficult when you start talking about types of wall and especially when you start explaining that, you know, flexible partitions within 520 ball, as an example, is a standard supporting symmetrical construction and other constructions that aren't made with the same material aren't you know a lot of this comes into it and it's also you know supporting each other with it as well because not one consultant can do this on their own on their own you need a lot more of holistic team approach to get it correct you know, you know that's probably the best way I could describe it is that I think it is going to get more technical and we're going to need to work a lot harder together to get it right and especially a lot earlier on you know with products you know getting the right product for the right the right location installed appropriately
0: Thank you, Paul. I think uh, you just delivered a great message of uh, unity, awareness, uh, and at the end of the day, we all have to work uh, as a team. If we don't work together and if we are not, say, prepared to work together, but also prepared mentally to change a little bit our mindset, uh, that'll be quite challenging. I would like to say thank you very much for uh, giving us your time. It's been a pleasure. Uh, Thanks, Marco, and uh, um,
1: I'm sure I'll see you soon.
0: Absolutely. And this podcast will be published on our YouTube channel, on our podcast platform on SoundCloud, and RSS feeded onto all major podcast libraries. Thank you very much from SFS Smoke Fire Safety. Reach us out at www.smokefiresafety.co.uk. And if you have any questions, we are here for you. Thank you very much.